This morning, we're going to go back to Jonah, where we've had two messages already, and um, look at chapter 3. But before we get there, I want to go to the Gospels, to Matthew chapter 13, verses 53 to 58, and I'll read them for you. Um, But it's, the message is all about responding. How do we respond? And this, this is telling in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 53, when Jesus had finished these parables, Um, amazing teaching that he was doing in Capernaum. He moved on from there, coming into his hometown, Nazareth. He began teaching the people in their synagogue, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't isn't his mother's name Mary? Aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get all of these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in his own home. And he, didn't, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The people that, humanly speaking, Jesus was most connected with him. Remember, he lived in Nazareth for the better part of 30 years before his ministry began. Potentially should have had the greatest positive response to Jesus. And they didn't. And they didn't. They took offense at Jesus. And I start there because we see the response of a group of people that many would say had the best opportunity of anyone to understand who Jesus was and to understand his his background and to to, to listen to what he said and, and his, to his teaching and to respond in the appropriate way to become followers of Jesus. And they chose not to. And so as we, as we once again go back to the book of Jonah, we remember Jonah chapter 1 where, where God spoke to his man Jonah, his prophet, a prophet that had already had Ministry to the nation of Israel, the northern ten tribes, had already had a ministry to them, speaking the word of God to them. And this is occurring in probably 760 B.C. or so, some 40 years before the northern tribes would be, would be taken over and taken into exile by Assyria. Um, God said to, to Jonah, go, I, I, want, I want you to go to Nineveh and, and, and help me to, to present good news to them. And Jonah said, no, that's, that's not what I'm interested in doing, God. In fact, he went in the opposite direction. You know the story. God provided a storm so that the ship heading as far away from Nineveh as possible uh, was stuck in this storm. And, and uh, this, in the midst of everything, uh, Jonah gets... Uh, 
finally identified and then thrown overboard as the sailors themselves come face to face with the living God and repent and begin to worship God. And, and God amazingly sends a, I don't call him a whale, I call him a godfish, be, be, because it, it's a fish specifically designed for this purpose, I believe, to, to keep Noah alive, to keep Noah, to keep Jonah alive for three days inside the belly of that fish. Um, and that happened in chapter one, a, a godfish to the rescue. And then in chapter two that we looked at last time, uh, we see that Jonah in the belly of the whale cries out for help. And he does that by praying. In his time of maximum need, Jonah finally humbles himself and talks to the living God from the belly of the godfish. And he, and he recognized his current condition. Remember, we looked at that. He, he, he then remembered what he believed, and then he, he re, repented. He, he said, Lord, Lord, I'm going to do finally what you've asked me to do. And we saw God's response um, giving Noah a, a, a Noah. Okay. Giving Jonah a, 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 a wonderful landing on the beach. You, you could only wonder, for those of you that think through this, okay, how close did that godfish have to get for Jonah to land on the beach after being vomited by the godfish? I mean, there's all kinds of uh, details in the story which we're not made aware of, but which we only say... Um, God could do anything. He really, really, really can. And Jonah ends up on the beach there alive after spending three days in the belly of a whale. And so today we come to Jonah chapter 3. And here's the text. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and then Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose to his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up, all, give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And so in order to look at this passage a little bit closer, 
We're going to look at this whole idea of responses in four different perspectives or from four different uh, views. The first is Jonah. We have Jonah not only rescued by God, not only um, experiencing uh, life once again after being swallowed by a godfish, but he was restored to his position. Once again, found himself with the ministry of being a prophet for the living God. Certainly out of the ordinary in the sense that God was sending a prophet to a pagan group of people, not the Israelites, but that's okay. Uh, this time around, when Jonah's given a second opportunity, God said, go, and Jonah said, yes. Now, it would have been a lot easier for Jonah to have gone the first time because remember, he was going in the opposite direction. So this time around, going to Nineveh probably was somewhere around 900 miles that he needed to travel from where he was there on the beach to get to Nineveh. So it wasn't going to be uh, a, you know, a short little walk through the park or an Uber driver to come and take him there he was going to have to spend a significant amount of time to travel that 900 miles to get to Nineveh. Uh, but he had experienced the mercy of God. He now said yes, and he didn't waste any time once he got into, into Nineveh. He went to Nineveh, a very large city. I mean, a great city, some of your versions would say. So great that, that historians have said that it, the perimeter wall around the city could have been 60 miles in, in, uh, in going around the circumference of the city. And it had 1,500 towers in that wall protecting those that lived inside the city. This was a, a great city, a, a, a huge number of people, maybe up to, towards a million of people may have lived there. And, but once he got there, he began to proclaim his message. He didn't wait. He didn't try and build relationships with the people. He didn't try and, well, I'm going to spend a few days. I'm going to try and get the lay of the land and develop a strategy, and then I'll begin to present what God has given me to, to say to them. He just went, and on day one, traveling into the city, gave them the message. Didn't waste any time. Remember, the message had changed slightly from chapter 1. In chapter 1, it was go proclaim judgment uh, on the city. In chapter 3, the message includes in 40 days, God is going to bring judgment on this city. But most... But Jonah... But Jonah went ahead and did this. Do you think the three days in the belly of the whale changed Jonah? Absolutely. Absolutely. His heart was different the way than it was when we began his story in chapter 1. Not only was his heart different and his desire to please God different, to be obedient to him different, he may well have experienced some suggest, uh, after spending three days in the godfish, um, he, his complexion may well have been lighter than normal. Because we know that's what acid can do to a, 
uh, to skin. And so he may well have looked at least a little differently than he looked before he went in there, which may well have given him a better opportunity to speak to the people. Who is this guy? I've never seen anybody like that before. What does he have to say? And so at spending three days in the whale certainly changed Jonah. Second perspective, the Ninevites. Imagine, here's this fellow, maybe looking somewhat different, certainly not one of them, coming into your city and proclaiming a message that was so, so, so simple. Forty more days, it says in verse 3 or 4, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Jonah's message was primarily a message of judgment. That, that your time was up, that judgment is, is at the doorstep only 40 days away. And amazingly, with that message of judgment, not love, not, not, not care, not I, I need to be gentle with them so that they hear me. In this case, the message that God told Jonah to give was one of judgment. They re responded with repentance. Repentance to this simple message. Obviously, God was at work already in the hearts of the Ninevites. Pagan people, no idea how to worship a living God, maybe had some idea of, 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 of what those people that were from the, the, the Palestine era or the Israelites believed in, but this is completely different from their worldview. Gives them this message, and they responded with repentance. The Ninevites believed God, it says in verse, verse 5. And so they, from the least to the greatest, believed God's message and the messenger. It wasn't as if God wrote on the wall as he did to the Babylonian king. No, God gave Jonah this message, and from one human being to another group of human beings, they responded with repentance. And this message somehow got all the way to the king. It doesn't, doesn't say, it would almost make sense for us that Jonah somehow had an, had an invite from the king to give his message. It doesn't say that at all. And I think Jonah probably would have mentioned that if, as he recounts what God accomplished through him. But the king heard the message from the people. The people obviously began sharing that with each other. That's how the whole city began to respond to this as people shared what Jonah said. Now Jonah, I'm sure, moved around and told other people, and they shared it with other people and eventually made it to the king. The king believed and then issued, along with his leaders, this, this proclamation for everyone. And I think as you look at the text, this is why the people began to fast and all of them from the, leadest, from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth because the king gave them that instruction because, because he believed the message himself. You know, don't let the people or the animals, the herds or the flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people be covered and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. 
and change their evil ways and their violence. And so, and so the Ninevites and the king are responding with great humility by hearing this message in response to this message from Jonah. We know 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. And God chose to demonstrate that in an amazing way in a pagan city by having the people respond in a way in which they did. Putting on sackcloth, sit, seating themselves in ashes was certainly, and even including their animals, which was, a, which was a Persian custom. It's difficult for us to understand. Animals, really? Why would they, why would you not feed your animals? Why would you not even give them anything to drink? It, it was their custom, Persian custom, for the animals to g sort of go through what the human beings were going through from a spiritual perspective. And so, in this case, the, the decree from the king included them in this, probably at the best they could to show the total humility in which they were experiencing, the total belief that the message that they had heard from Jonah, ultimately from God, was one that they agreed with. They agreed with what Jonah was saying, that judgment, and they deserved the judgment that God was going to bring on them. And so what did the decree say at the end that they were supposed to do? Not only fast, not only um, uh, in their prayers to call out to God, uh, but they were uh, asked to give up their evil ways and their violence to make a life change so that possibly God might change his response to the Ninevites. Now, this is a little bit of a challenge for us to understand because we know that God is an unchangeable God. God is the same in eternity past as he will be in eternity future. We're reminded in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so God doesn't change. And yet, Scripture, more than once from our perspective, gives us a glimpse into how our prayers and our decisions can impact the future that God is going to bring about. Whenever the scripture says that, that God changes, and I know some of your versions even say God repented. And repentance, while it is a spiritual word often used in a spiritual context, repentance only means change direction. God, God did something differently than what Jonah was proclaiming. And it was a good thing that God did something differently, right? Certainly the Ninevites said, absolutely. It's an amazing God who, who relented from his message uh, of judgment and has given us the opportunity to change our ways. And so we need not get hung up over the fact that God changed direction because that change was for our good. And whenever God changes, it's usually for our good. And what encouragement that gives us in our prayers. 
Because we think, well, God has the future planned. He, he knows what's going to happen tomorrow and next month and next year. And so, so why do I need to pray? This scripture clearly indicates that prayer absolutely does make a difference. And so the Ninevites uh, responded and agreed in their prayer, agreed with God about their sin and pled for mercy. Lord, you know, what? We don't know our faith and our trust and our understanding of who you are is so limited at this time. Jonah may have been, been asked, Jonah, what should we do? We believe you, Jonah. What should we do? He may have given them an indication that if they repent and change of their ways, God may do something different. But because the king certainly says that God may yet relent with compassion and turn his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And their response, the response of the Ninevites, was commended by God, was commended by Jesus. Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 41, Jesus um, teaching uh, said, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, and I know he includes women and, and children as well, those who live in Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is saying that the Ninevites, a pagan group of people, responded better to Jonah then the Jewish people that were listening to him, the leaders, those that he was ministering to, were the Ninevites responded better to Jonah than you're responding to me. Amazing work of God that he would do there in this pagan city of Nineveh. And so... The third perspective I want to look at is, the, is the, the response of God. That when you look at this, this chapter 3 right here, we see that God is the, is the God of second and third and fourth chances. Always giving an opportunity for the heart of people to be changed. Even sending his prophet Jonah, a prophet to his people, to a pagan group of people and changing their hearts, allowing them to listen and respond to Jonah. Is there nothing too difficult for God? If he can do that, if he can change the heart of, of pagan fishermen, if he can change the heart of, of this huge city, if hearts of the people that lived in a huge city, if he can change the heart of the king and all the other leaders, what is there that God can't do? He certainly can do all that he chooses to do. And then we see that, that the amazing love that God has by sending Jonah, that God has for the lost. We're reminded of 1 Timothy 
in chapter 2 where it says, God who desires that none be lost. He wished that all human beings that he had created would somehow come to faith in Jesus Christ, but they choose not to. Just as they chose not to listen to to Jesus, they choose not to listen to the gospel when it's presented today. And then when we see God's response, we're, we're, we're reminded once again that prayer does make a difference. The prayer of the fishermen in chapter one the, those that were, that were riding on the boat and steering the boat and taking the, the, the cargo to a different place, they responded, and God responded to their prayer. In chapter 2, where God responded to Jonah and allowed Jonah to experience his grace and forgiveness and gave him a second opportunity. In chapter 3, God heard the prayers of the pagan who lived people who lived in that city and the king and changed the direction that he was heading in. And so prayer does make a difference. And so what's our response? What's your response to, God, to this message that Jonah has given? The Ninevites believed God. They believed Jonah. They believed the message Do you believe? Do you believe? If the Lord were to take you home today, are you 100% certain that there's nothing to fear, that death, death is just the pathway through which we can begin to experience life in the presence of the Father, Son, and the Spirit? Life eternal that God has promised for us. The message is clear, very, very clear. And as we prepare to come to the Lord's table this morning, I just thought I'd take a moment in asking, do you believe, to be reminded of what the gospel teaches us clearly in Scripture. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. That includes all of us, all humanity, have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That there's nothing inherent in us, there's no goodness in us that ever brings us in any favor toward God. We all fall short. And then Hebrews 9.27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. When we do die, we will face our time of judgment. And any righteousness that we stand on does not come from our side of the table. We'll stand in judgment for the choices that we've made here on this earth. And Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death without Jesus, eternal life with Jesus. John 3, 16, or excuse me, Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us, paying the penalty for our sin, providing the propitiation for the wrath of God. 
John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Just as the Ninevites believed the message of Jonah, we're given the opportunity to believe the message of Jesus. That if we put our faith and believe in him, trust in him, receive that gift of salvation, we will experience eternal life. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10. For if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Rescued from a life without Christ, rescued from a life eternal apart from Christ, and given a life with Christ, an eternal life with others who trust in Christ as well. And then finally, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 10, for it is by the grace of God that you have been saved through faith. This not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do we believe that our relationship with a living God is only because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ on our behalf, that we get to share that with him because he suffered, because he died, and because he rose again? That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. In the case of the Ninevites, they believed and their lives changed. It's, oh, I believe. Uh, yes, I believe in Jesus and my life doesn't change is an indication that the belief that you have is not a true belief. The Ninevites show us right here, and Scripture is very clear, particularly the book of James, if you've given your life to Christ, if you truly believe, your life changes. Not just once, not just one time, but every day we have the opportunity to grow in our faith, grow in our trust, grow in our love, not only for Jesus, but for one another as well. And that's where it often really hits the road. And so believing changes behavior. It's what we call sanctification, the work that God begins when we choose to believe in Jesus. Hopefully, your response to Jesus is bringing about changes, changes like we've seen in Jonah and changes like we've seen in the Ninevites, all to the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we recognize that the work that you did in the lives of the Ninevites through the prophet Jonah uh, is a, a wonderful picture of what you continue to do today, Father. We're thankful that we can be reminded that everything is all about Jesus. That there's, 
that there's nothing to life apart from an understanding, a true understanding of believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Savior, as our coming King. Father, help us as we come to the table right now to to truly understand all that that means and to daily grow in our understanding of what Jesus wants to accomplish through us. In his name we pray. Amen.